The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. All right, ladies and gentlemen around the Delaware Valley, welcome to Legal Talk with Jeff Nirenberg. Jeff, how are you, sir? Really excited to be here, Joe. We have a really, really great show today and a special guest. We do. And, you know, this is, it's, it's a great opportunity for you and I to, to, uh, to be live in the studio. It's so cool. We, even though we've done some live shows before, a, a, a lot of times we're, uh, you know, at, at on location at, 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 at the office and, uh, uh, and I can't think of a better reason to go live and, and, and to have this special broadcast uh, than today's guest. And so if you will, because I know you're somewhat acquainted with her um, and, 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 you know, all seriousness, uh, you know, world, world-class psychologist, therapist, uh, counselor, couples counseling, uh, personal counseling, and of course, uh, acclaimed author, if you will, Jeff, take it from there. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, I've circled this date on the calendar for a while. Um, we've had legal talk and we've thrown the ball around about the law and current events and, and sports. But today, uh, I have the pleasure to introduce my wife of more than 25 years, Dr. Allison Nirenberg. And not only is she an acclaimed psychologist, she is a published author. And her book just was published and launched on May 1st called No Perfect Love. Shattering the Illusion of Flawless Relationships, and I'm so proud to introduce Allison, who has been a therapist for more than 30 years. She has, she has uh, had therapy with individuals, couples, all types of people in group settings, individual settings, and she has written a book that I think applies to all of us and uh, can make people's lives better, but certainly make people's relationships better, whether they're in them or not in them. Uh, she has words of advice, and I'm so pleased to have you here today, Allison. There you go. That's Matt right there. Welcome to the broadcast, Allison. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. It's kind of a surreal experience doing this with my husband. Yeah. Well, it's great. Well, by the way, your husband is a natural. Uh, you know, it, you know, I, I'm so proud to have him as 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 a, a co-host. And and um, and by the way, uh, congratulations on the book. Phenomenal. Uh, and but before we get into the book, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself uh, as a psychologist and, and as a therapist. A little background for the listener. Sure. Um, I have a private practice in Chestnut Hill where I see individuals and couples and do a lot of relationship counseling. And I have several people that work with me there. And I've loved it. I love being a part of people's stories. Yeah. And I can tell you that, um, uh, you know, I'm in the process of, of, of uh, finishing the book, No Perfect Love. And I've been married since 1985. Okay. And I'm, and I'll, and I'll say that when I'm reading, of course, <laughs> you know, I, back in 1985, when, when, when we got married, I can only imagine what everybody was thinking in the church that day. Um, but I will tell you this. Um, when I, when I read the book, um, and, and I, it's so, it's such a, a, a good read. It's such an easy read. A lot of common sense, 
um, conversation. But um, a lot of you know, but you know, listen, uh, some some questions, uh, you know, that that are the hard questions that you know, it, 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 keeping it real. Okay, <laughs> so if I was to talk about the book, I'd say keeping it real is a big part of it, but also it sets you up for success when you talk talk about what inspired you. Yeah. Um, to, to do the book, number one, and then number two, to go in this particular direction and comment on, on the title, if you will. Yeah, sure. That's a lot of questions. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. All but right. I, I think the, <laughs> but, but they, they all, I, I, you know, I wrote them down and I'm going, they all kind of overlap. I'm just going to yeah. go for it. But Please do. I, I, I love to go through them as best I can. Sure. So um, first off, I... I've always loved books. I've been a reader. I've been somebody who wrote as a kid. I was that kid that kept a journal. It's a part of who I am. Sure. Um, but I never thought I'd have the the time, the energy to pull off writing a whole book. Sure. And how I did it um, was really interesting that I, I had gone to a continuing education class for psychologists, and they had us talk to the person sitting next to us and say a goal we have in life and what stands in our way. And I said, oh, that's easy. My whole life, I've wanted to write this book. I, I want to write a book, I said. I don't even know what my topic would be, but I just love books, and I'd love to write. I have all these stories. I'm a storyteller. Sure. And I'd love to be able to write, but I never have the time. I've got three kids. I have this really busy private practice with several therapists working for me. I just never have the time. And the guy sitting next to me said, all right, well, if you can't write a book, why don't you start writing a blog post? So I was like, all right, I can do that. And he said, if you write one blog post a month in the year, you have 12 blog posts and there's your book. And so I thought, hmm, all right, I can commit to one blog post a month. So I started writing blog posts. And after a year and a half, I had 18 blog posts. I, wow. wrote, I wrote about my life. I wrote about my marriage. I wrote about my, having kids, about my patients. You know, there was no like rhyme or reason to it, but whatever was on my mind and I reached out to a friend of mine in L.A. who was an, an author, and I said, I have these blog posts. I don't know if it's a book or what it is. And he said, why don't you send it to an editor? And I know this guy who is a friend of mine who's going to read it, and he'll give you an honest opinion. If he thinks there's a book, he, he can start off editing it. If not, he'll tell you that. Sure. And so I, I reached out to this guy. I'm like, he's a friend of a friend. I can do this. Yeah. And he said, yes, there's a book. And I said, I don't even know what the theme is. Right. And he said, it's easy. It's letting go of the illusion of perfection in our relationships. And I said, oh, my goodness, I, I've been writing this book without even knowing I was writing this book. Yeah. This is what I've been dealing with and struggling with in my own life. Sure. No question. I mean, and, and Jeff, you and I have talked about it. I mean, that theory and that concept alone um, frees you up in a lot of different ways because everybody puts so much pressure on themselves because there's no blueprint for a marriage. When you get in there, you know, you, you take your own impressions and all of a sudden, you know. Everybody tries to be perfect, and, you know, it, it's just so hard. Yeah. It's so much pressure. Allison finally wrote a book to, to tell people, you don't have to be perfect. You, the process is more important than, than the actual results. Um, and I think, you know, this is legal talk with Jeff Nirenberg, but uh, lawyers, doctors, all professionals can all relate to this book because relationships are the key to, to the foundation of everything that we do whether it's with your client, with your staff, uh, all, all the lawyers that you deal with, judges, it's all about building relationships and managing those relationships and obviously uh, 
how you manage those relationships determine how successful or unsuccessful you're going to be. So I think that, you know, the legal community, the medical community, all communities can, can get something from no perfect love. And I'm just, ha- I'm happy that Allison got it out there. And, uh, you know, and I think it's going to do wonders for people. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think uh, as a, listen, as, as a man, and typically you would think, um, I was reading it last night and I was in the middle of asking some of the questions. I was going through some of the questions and some of them were hard questions. Some of them were um, kind of, um, you know, you're talking about uh, it, 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 almost a litmus test of, of how to, you know, f- find out where you are, where you are in your relationship. And the first thing, my wife can't wait to read it. And, and I got to one of the questions. I'm like, okay, she can't read that question. <laughs> um, but, good. but as I got through them, um, you know, it made me realize, obviously we clearly have work to do now. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, keeping it real. You talk about, you talk about, um, honesty. You talk about how you and Jeff met. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, you, you, you really laid it out there on the line. I, when I was reading it and I said to Jeff earlier today, okay, they're definitely, and, but when you're writing, when you're writing a book like this yeah. on, you know, you're talking about honesty and you're talking about, um, you know, keeping it real. You kept it real. Of course. I, you know, I, I can't ask my patients to do work that I'm not doing, and I can't be not authentic when I'm writing. Because I, I know if I was reading a book, I'd wonder, who is this author, and why is she writing about this? So I, I try to share some of my own life experiences and what's gone well, what hasn't gone well, and putting it out there. I mean, I, I, uh, when, when I think about the book, I think that it's, you know, it, it is, it is for everyone. What I love about it also is, is that you break it down with, with, um, uh, you know, diff- like, like, um, you, it, it, there's not a, par- there's not a, um, a chapter in a book where you're reading for, you know, you, you know, three straight out. You, 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 Put paragraphs in and you headline them, and there, therefore, it was easy. For, you can jump around in this. It's book. an easy to read book. Yes. You can pick it up at any point. You can. You, it's it's not a show where you have to watch the five other shows in order to understand what's going on. Uh, there was a show called Lost, and I used to get lost all the time because <laughs> I didn't see the other five episodes. But this is a book where you can read chapter five, chapter eleven, do the exercises out of order, and still get a lot out of it and not be confused. Um, in reading the book, Allison, I, I wanted to talk. There's a, there's a lot talked about with professional athletes. How did that start? And, and tell us a little bit about their struggle to overcome trauma and perfectionism. Well, it's funny because I am not what you call a sports fan. Living in Philadelphia with a father who is a diehard Eagles fan. And him as a husband. A husband <laughs> right. who is a diehard Eagles fan. And all my friends. Right, and all right. my friends. It's con- Joe. Right. Yeah, he has the man cave in our basement where it's constantly filled with men watching games. Right, absolutely. And, it, it's just never been my thing. Sure. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things I'm interested in. I love movies. I love t- television shows. You I love pop culture. Pop I'm reading culture. this book. Right. <laughs> Very well, she much loves so. food and cooking. Yeah. Right. But, but you know what? Sports hasn't been my thing. So it was really pretty funny. I was home one day. One of our kids was sick. This is about 15 years ago. And I got a phone call from the uh, NHL. And it was the medical director from the NHL calling me and saying, I have this referral for you. He's a really big name hockey player. And he's failed with a bunch of different therapists. He didn't connect with them. He's got a lot of anger issues. He's really very, very well known. And people have been intimidated. I didn't even know the name. So he, so he calls me, came in. We worked together for about two years. Wow. And in that time, 
to me, he was just another person struggling in a marriage, another person struggling in relationship issues and, you know, having some family of origin problems. And he was somebody I really connected with. And he then spoke about the work to his other teammates. Sure. So I started getting other um, hockey players and then soccer players, and uh, I got some on the NBA. But it's just funny because my son loves sports, my husband loves sports, and for me, I, I didn't even recognize it. By, by the way, it's, but it's, <laughs> which it, drove me crazy. But what's I funny? Tell him anything. But what's funny him. about that is it's probably where the connection came in. You know what I mean? Because, you, you know, you weren't, you, you know, you were sitting there trying to focus on obviously the issues instead of being kind of starstruck and sitting there going, you know, well, tell me about what's going on with your, your wife. She's and the by, opposite of and, starstruck. And by the way, <laughs> tell me about how you scored that goal against the Bruins. That's yeah. really important. Did you sleep well after that? Um, but uh, having having that, can, how do you make, uh, how do you establish uh, when, when you have a client? And a lot of this is, you know, in, in, in the book, um, but um making that initial connection with somebody and, and establishing that trust uh, from, because I, I I'm assuming that, that, that the book is an extension of your practice uh, in a simple way where people have that luxury of being able to kind of learn about themselves and, and, and when they read the book, but talk about it in person when you're with a client where you're establishing that trust. To me, it's about building relationships. People talk about different schools of, of psychology and what their philosophies are. I think it's about can you connect? Does the person feel like you care about him or her? Yeah. Are you there with them? What's well, interesting you say him That or carries her, over to the law very much. I mean, it segues into what I do. When, when I meet a client that first time, they're at their lowest point, and you have to establish trust. Or, yeah. or the relationship doesn't work. There's always... They're always skeptical. They're always calling you. And you, without that trust or without that bond that you can create initially, a lawyer can't be successful either. And it all, again, it all starts with building relationships right from the start. It, it, but it's interesting because when I think about that, you know, the book and I think about when I was reading it, it, it was almost like it was written for me. So I'm sitting here <laughs> and, I, and I'm, and I'm um, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it and, it, went, and it, it dawned on me, a woman or a man or both. Okay, when you counsel somebody, okay, and you're sitting in front of two people, yeah. okay, it, it's it, and you have your own, you know, relationship and your own experiences in life. There's so much to draw on. But how do you how do you um, kind of break it down to, you know, especially when two people walk in the office, yeah. okay? And when you read the book, you can sit there and I mean, to me, it's one on one. I'm reading this book. It's just me in the book. Okay. Um, but in, in, when two people walk in, do you counsel them both individually? How do you make this determinations in regards to, okay, I'm going to have to break these two up and, and, and break them down? That's, it seems like a complicated process. You know, it really hasn't been for me. I, it's basically what the person's looking for. So sometimes somebody will call me and just want to come in herself or himself or sometimes they come in as a couple and you know i i look at it as i'm treating the couple and i i really look at them as brave because to come in it's like you're going in the trenches yeah. i want to talk about my relationships the dark parts of my life and make it better and i i just feel honored that they're sharing their story with me and that i'm a part of the the healing absolutely so allison um the book, to me, people have come up to me a lot over the last month, and, and one of the things that's been standing out and people ask me about is in Chapter 4, you, you talk about um, the acronym AFCOS. Um, what does it stand for? What does it mean? And how did you come up with it? 
Really funny. I had had a supervisor and the two of us were talking about when things go wrong in our own lives and our own personal lives and how how we handle it. And I always said, this will make me a better therapist. I'll, I'll have more compassion for other people when things don't go well. I'll, I'll I, be more I, was, open. I read that, right. And then I called it an, an AFCO. Another friggin' growth opportunity. Yeah. Well, it, it, and I and I and, and I'll tell you, it was interesting. I was reading that part of the book and 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 talking about going through your own yes, you know, uh, private Idaho. Like in other words, you're, you're you're having your own issues and how it makes you more compassionate and it, and and you know, it just makes you uh, you know better at addressing things. Tell us, tell us an AFCO in your life if, if you so, could share with us. So the AFCO that I wrote about in the book was this really, I guess it was 2014. I was going through a really busy time. My practice went from just being me to all of a sudden me being me and having four therapists working for me and kids. I had three kids, three different schools. Um, at the time, I had somebody in preschool. I had somebody in high school and somebody in middle school. And my life was just crazy. And all of a sudden, um, I got asked to do this charity event in the middle of the week, and I should have said no and had boundaries. But I said yes, because I really believed in the cause. And it was in the middle of the week, and I, I was just tired. I did it. It went, the event went off flawlessly. I made a speech afterwards. That went well. Everything was going smoothly until I got home, and I was exhausted. Yeah. And I took off the next morning, but, um, dropped my son off at preschool and was really tired. And was driving to, uh, decided to go to the gym. I had a dumb decision, but I decided I might as well work out. I have the morning off. And as I was doing it, I did not see a truck that had crossed over to my lane oh and, my and hit me head on. I mean, this could have been, uh, this was a bad accident. I mean, it was a scary accident. An airbag mm. going off accident, yep. um, car totaling accident. And normally when things go wrong in my life, I talk about it. I'm a therapist. I talk to you, Jeff. I talk to my friends. This that time, was one of our scariest moments. It I really know, was and, and I just bad. wanted—I just wanted to hide. Yeah. I went I went under my own covers, and I just—I didn't want to talk about. It. I didn't want to get back in a car for a week. I was just really traumatized. Yeah. And my my AFCO, but I, my takeaway from all this was I needed to slow down. I needed to take some time off from work. I needed to take some social things off of our plates. And I just really, I did. I took the summer and I, I took a month off from work. I just slowed down and I really looked at this as an opportunity to to take some things off my plate. And also I developed a lot more compassion for patients of mine who'd been through trauma or accidents. That was really great. Um, it was it was a horrible, I remember that that moment and seeing you and seeing the car and just really, really reaching out and just hoping that everybody was okay. I, I think I had shame about it too. I think I felt like I blamed myself that, you know, my son could have been in the car. You had post-traumatic shock. And, and I thought, you, you, you know, sleep. why I mean, was I driving if I was that tired? I, I was ruminating about what I had done wrong and whether I was responsible. And my joke was that, you know, if I had to get hit by a, a truck to, to tell me to slow down. But it, it, it was really a, a pivotal moment in my life. Yeah, and, and, and it is that type of trauma. I, I imagine um, you can pretend like you're okay and and move forward a lot. I'm sure it's happened to all of us in one way or another whether whatever but that you know and that stays with you and it and and it and it kind of surfaces in odd ways this <clears throat> when you're in that type of situation excuse me <clears throat> 
when you're in that situation, talk about how it impacts your relationship at that point, because now you're going through something personal and, you know, you try to do everything at one time. You now have, by the way, and I'm sure with the kids oh, yeah. that, you know, in other words, tomorrow's school, yeah. to, you know, to, they, they, they still got to get up and, yeah. and be a mom and, be, and well, we have to be a you know, parent, a family. Right. I, yeah. I was pretty lucky because I, I went through the trauma within a week. I was back uh, to my maybe a little bit slower, but myself and I and I think it was um, you know you and I talked about it. I you know made, made some decisions to take some things off of my plate. So I remember that time period clearly. It was a while back, but you know forgiveness becomes a theme. First, you have to forgive yourself, and yeah. and and I remember I was upset because I you know I was so scared and I didn't know what was going to happen. And God forbid there were kids in the car, but fortunately we came out of it unscathed, except that you went through a great trauma. Speak about like forgiveness, the idea of forgiveness. It's a big part of the book. And specifically, one of our favorite shows is Ted Lasso and how forgiveness tied into Ted Lasso and how meaningful that was when we saw that on Apple TV and that show Ted Lasso that, that I think is the best show on television right now. So, so my husband's great. I, we get along really well, but you're reactive sometimes. So, so you're, you know, when, <laughs> you when something goes wrong, your, your reaction is yeah. intense at first. <laughs> right. So it's, you know, part of it for me, you know, forgiveness is hard. Yeah. And forgiveness for me, that was the hardest chapter for me to write in the whole book. And when I got feedback, I, I asked a bunch of people to read my book and to give me feedback and quotes about it. And the person who I thought was just going to say, oh, it's great, said, you've got to beef up your forgiveness chapter. And I thought, okay, there's there's no mistakes in life. The reason I, I have to work on this. And I so I really immersed myself in the forgiveness literature to, sure. to write that chapter as thorough and did some research. And, and I realized a lot of patients in my practice struggle with forgiveness. When, when I'm hurt, I become a mama bear. If you hurt one of my kids, sure. you know, I have that part of me. Yeah. And so part of it was really understanding forgiveness and you're doing forgiveness for yourself, not for the other person. You're doing this out of the goodness of your heart so that you're unstuck in your life. Well, I'll tell you what, um, that that is a mouthful there because forgiveness is is likely a challenge for a lot of people. Also, Sp- speak about Ted Lasso though. Remember the episode that oh, we both yeah. love so much. Talk about it and why why it applied to that chapter so much. So throughout my book, I use a lot of popular culture. You did. I you loved know, it. Movies and TV shows, <laughs> songs that yeah. really spoke to me. And oh, yeah. that show Ted Lasso, probably more than anything we watched during the pandemic, that really you know moved me because it it really. Ted Lasso was such a heartwarming character, and he was actually the, – the, the plot of the episode was this Rebecca um, had a philandering husband who cheated on her a lot, and she was really angry with him. And they were very wealthy and owned this whole um, premier soccer uh, team, and she decided she wanted to sabotage it. She knew he loved it more than anything, and she wanted to burn it to the grounds. So she hired an American football coach, Ted Lasso, who knew nothing about um, British soccer. Right, right. And so <laughs> she basically was trying to sabotage him and the whole the whole team. Because she knew he was cheating on her and all those things. He didn't know it, of course. Right? Exactly. Okay. And, well, they, they were divorced, but oh. she, she still owned the team, oh. and she just wanted to you know, she stick, it, stick to it to him. him right? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. So what happened was, in this episode, um, she had tried to sabotage him with the team members, with, with the press, with everybody, and she went to tell him, and she said, hey, you know, even though I've been lovely to your face, I've been wonderful to you, 
I've really been trying to sabotage you at every turn. And get him fired. And get you fired. fired. And and Ted Lasso was at this low point in his life. His own marriage had crumbled down. He wasn't speaking to his son. He um, the the team that he'd been coaching had been uh, delegate delegated to minor leagues, and so he was really uh, in this low point. But he looked at her, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, "I forgive you. Divorce is hard." And you could tell he really meant it, and you know, gave her a hug. And then invited her to the field afterwards. There was no holding on to resentment or anger. It was the most heartwarming special episode, I think, of the two seasons. And it's what we needed as a country also with all the violence and horrible shootings and and, and riots and COVID. Here was Ted Lasso, just a, a wonderful look at humanity and how people can treat others well. And it was a good example of that. And in a way, it's it's empathy, right? I mean, in other it. words, you know that uh, uh, you know if if you can be empathetic, yeah. in, in especially in in the most difficult, uh, and, and and empathetic, likely it sounds like because I, I I haven't seen that, but I will be yeah. watching. We highly episode. recommend it to you and everybody else listening. Yeah, definitely, uh, but that's show. a fact. Um, but having said that, um, if you can give empathy. And understand, especially knowing when you're at fault, instead of you know you understanding that part. So, so when I did all the research on forgiveness, what keeps people stuck? It's called a grievance story, and this John Gottman and Fred Luskin from Stanford really talked about it. And what they talked about was that you really describe yourself as the most virtuous and innocent part of yourself, and you filter out your own personal shortcomings. And you focus on the most negative aspects of the other person and the hurtfulness of that other person's actions. So you stay in this loop where you're innocent and virtuous and the other person is at fault. And you're saying the same story to whoever will listen and you're staying stuck. And that keeps a lot of people stuck and not forgiving. And how's that process when you're when you're counseling somebody individually to to kind of. Um, look at themselves also so that they can move on. It, that's the hard part. That's a hard part. It's hard for my patients. It's hard for me as a human being to be able to give grace and forgive and, you know, forgive yourself too. Yeah. I mean, no question about it. So honesty is a, 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 a likely a big part of that. And so many people have are. I mean, my wife and I have gone through mother of God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, we all they, couples go through it. Even if they don't tell you, it's like the guy that tells you he, he wins all the time, at, you know, at the casino and, any couple that's in this long term has gone through so many. Nobody gets lives. out unscathed. Nobody. That's it. That Nobody. was one of my lines. Right. Nobody yeah. gets out un- unscathed. But, and, but and the thing either. that's so ironic is as a culture, we're all putting our best foots forward and showing only the great parts of ourselves on, on social media sure. and on Instagram. But and Let's talk about that. Let, yeah. Let's segue into, you know, how does social media affect our idea of perfection, you know, within ourselves? Boy, you think about just you and me this past weekend, Jeff. We were at our daughter's college graduation. Which, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. University of Pennsylvania. Yes, we're so proud. But but (laughs) if we didn't post a picture, you wouldn't look proud, right? So there's pressure that you have to have the perfect graduation pictures. And and it takes you out of the moment because, you know, there's this, this pressure that we all have to make it look great. 
And it's hard for the kid to speak about children and how, how this perfectionism affects them. So we've seen this so much, just raising kids, that there's this need to have the perfect child because people look at their children as a narcissistic, excuse me, a narcissistic extension of themselves. Sure. So if your kid is successful, then you're successful. I mean, it, it makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. Do you, do, you, uh, you, do you advocate for your patients to limit social media? How do you have them manage social media? In, in, obviously, it's such an important, integral part of our lives, but how do you manage it with your, with your patients and couples? You know, it, there's, there's been actually, it's a good question, Jeff. There's actually research on it. And uh, the research says, there's a study by, in 2016 by the National Institute of Health that said the more time people spend on social media, that the more depressed and anxious they are. The people who are spending the most time are actually three times as anxious, lonely as people who aren't on social media as much. So I think setting limits about it, and we all get that FOMO, that fear of missing out if we're not at an event or when you see how great it looks. Um, so it's really limiting that and the exposure. And, and you, you talk about um, yourself and, and, and how the children are, are impacted, okay? Yeah. Um, Obviously, the, the two of you are professionals and the kids are amazing, by the way. You're, you're, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be at the book release party in, in Villanova. Thank you for yeah. coming to that, Jeff. Yeah. That was, it was a great event. Mother yeah. of God, your daughters were, the, the, the way they spoke were unbelievable. Yeah. And, and your son even. Uh, My 11-year-old even chimed in. He wanted right. to be part of it. That's right. Yeah, so it was, I was surprised. It, 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 it was incredibly uh, impressive. And But having said that, you, know, you, you talk about social media. A lot of times social media, people are not exactly who they, they would be. You know, when, when, when you're in public, you say some people say things on social media yeah. or, put, you know, it's, it's, it's a, and it does put a lot of pressure on. And by the way, um, it, there can be a lot of social pressure on social media. I mean, that impact lives in, in ways you could never imagine. But even more than social media now, it's like th- these parents, it's not enough for their kids to be in a club to to want to get into the right college. They have to be president of the club. Right. It's not enough for your kid to be a, an athlete. You know, he can't just be on a soccer team. He's got to be on a travel soccer team. Yeah. If there's just such a pressure. There's such so much pressure to have your child, you know, excel, and it's putting pressure. And on And even our kids. more, we have daughters in college now, and even buying clothing it affects that because women, especially girls in college or in, in their younger ages won't be photographed on Instagram or Facebook in the same outfit. So so there's pressure to have more clothes, more accessories, and it permeates everything in our society. And it, and it almost, you know, Alice and I talk about this a lot, and, and you, you and I have, Joe. Living in our generation, growing up and being a child of the 70s and 80s, was actually so much easier because yeah. Yeah. none of this was there. I mean, you know, you had clothing, you had what you had, but you just didn't know. You were on showcasing, you know, really globally once, you know what I mean? You, you know, you're not on social media uh, on a daily basis. You had your friends, you, you made a plan, you wore your clothes, you, you had your activities, but there wasn't this constant pressure to, to, to look and feel and be perfect. And I almost, I've always said that this generation, especially the one my son's growing up in at 11 years old, is unrecognizable to, to, to what you know, the three of us grew up to. How, how does social media impact relationships? Um, you know, and the, the pressure, you know, obviously the kids, but, you know, you, you each have different social circles. 
um, and social media. Yeah. Um, there, you know, it's it's. So I, I could say you, you you talk about personal injury. How many how many uh, of, of your clients do you tell flat out stay off of co- so, social media? Social media is destroying my industry. Right? <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, lawyers now subpoena records for all of the passwords and usernames for Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, you know, all the different uh, media, uh, social media outlets, and so much of that information is just so damaging to the point where it, it can ruin a case. Because it, it really doesn't impact relationships. Uh, you know, I, I mean, even from married couples that have been, uh, you know, I mean, because social media, not just social media posted and stuff like that, but it, you know, it, it, listen, relationships have gone down because of social media. Uh, e- e- even pictures, uh, you know, think, you know, at, at, at gatherings, the whole entire deals. Um, it's a different world now. It is. And, and uh, it, in the book, I've written a couple examples where there was an affair started because of of, of a relationship on Facebook, and there's been it's. it's who did you, who, why did you friend so and so? Why did you accept that friend yep. friend request? Uh, even Constant if it's pressure. Innocent. Constant pressure. Uh, let's do this. Let's let's. Um, we're going to go to break for a minute, um, and then we're going to we're, we're we're going to come back. We're going to have more from Legal Talk with Jeff Nuremberg after the break. Suffering a personal injury due to the negligence of another, whether it be from a motor vehicle accident, an Uber or Lyft accident, a slip and fall accident, a workplace accident, or other, can be a devastating, even life-altering experience. Jeffrey Nuremberg of Nuremberg Law Associates understands how an injury can turn your life upside down. That's why he represents his clients with the utmost care and passion. At Nuremberg Law Associates, you get the representation and resources you need to win and the personal touch and results you deserve. Contact Jeff Nuremberg of Nuremberg Law Associates at 215-569-9100 or online at phillypilaw.com and get the recovery and justice you deserve. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games. But I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Legal Talk with Jeff Nierenberg, sponsored by Nierenberg Law Associates. Uh, Jeff's guest, a uh, very special guest today, Allison Nierenberg, uh, who's a, a, an author, a, a psychologist, a relationship specialist. And, uh, you know, the, the, the book is No Perfect Love. 
uh, shattering the illusion of flawless relationships. We all uh, want to have the perfect relationship, and and uh, certainly uh, we can be our own worst enemy. And and this frees us up. I can tell you, man, woman, couple. Uh, it's just it, it, the, the book itself is. Um, it talks about uh, you know a lot of the, the the hot button issues we go through on a daily basis. I highly recommend it. Um, let's talk about uh, COVID. Okay. And how it's impacted, uh, you know, relationships, but also there's a kind of a funny story on how you got Jeff talk about, um, you know, how this book started, you know, at the beginning of COVID. So Allison's always had the dream of writing a book and she's talked about it actually even probably predating our relationship. And you mean mine and yours? Or yours? <laughs> <laughs> mine and hers. So even as a little girl, I heard stories of her always wanting to write a book. And it was really just an important issue that, that ran through our marriage. And we talked about it and we had three kids and we were incredibly busy. And, and finally COVID hits and I start to talk to Allison and I say to her, Allison, uh, you know, this is, this is really your time. I mean, the world shut down. The, the world slowed down. We were at home more. Uh, there was very little to do socially. We were very socially active, not only us with, with us as couples, but uh, with our children. And then all of it stopped. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, graduations, um, uh, just going out for normal meals stopped. Sure. And and I remember talking to Allison and you know talk about that, Allison. Tell so, tell us about so, how it how it began, the origins of the book. So so Jeff says to me. Uh, <laughs> Allison, if you don't write your book now during a pandemic, when are you ever going to write this book? Sure. So I basically said he shamed me into writing the book. You know, <laughs> pretty much that you know we're pretty. I'm a pretty extroverted person. Both of us have a, a lot of friends and yeah. social out. You know, uh, social. Oh, I saw that. that. Was, yes, I was right there in the middle. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> so so the fact that we were slowing down, um, yeah, it really gave me a, a pause. And I the book kind of the the writing it was easy for me. The actual sitting there and writing it, I'd wake up before work and it would kind of I'd wake up and I'd think about a patient. And and all of a sudden, a story would pour out of me. Sure. Or I'd wake up and I'd think, oh, I got to add this. And so writing it, it almost felt spiritual. Like sure. I felt guided to just get it out on the page. And that was really fun. The hard part was editing it and making it better. And Jeff was one of my first proofreaders. And I just, you know, that I didn't realize how much time that would all take. But the writing it, it, I was so into it that I would write it on weekends. I would write it um, before work. Well, and, and, and certainly it, during the... Um pandemic it gives you purpose you know what i mean That's in other it. words you're focused because we all during the pandemic and i was fortunate as well to be able to get, stay focused on what i was doing and growing my business um at the same time um that gave me a focus and, and kept the demons away and saying Listen, a lot of people struggled during that you know, time they didn't have purpose you know they had what? nothing to do mine was not great because it was too much purpose <laughs> like uh, as a therapist i had never been that busy Right. So people who weren't in therapy were calling me. People who had seen me 20 years ago were calling well, me. Well, talk out. about that because oh. because COVID, uh, you know, let, let, let's think about it. COVID, social justice, yeah, uh, you know, um, you know, just uh, all these being in with your partner. I don't care how long you've been married or not. It might have, now all of a sudden you're, you're you're living on top of one another. Mental you're, health. Everybody's working remotely. Talk a mental health. Mental thing. health came to the forefront more than ever the last two years. Oh. And as a lawyer who's witnessed, you know, a wife who's a psychologist. Yes, she's always been busy, and yes, people always needed her. But 
I believe it was times 100 in the last yeah. two years. Talk about that. So, so I'm tired. It, it really <laughs> yeah. tired me out. But it was, it was good because there were people who I hadn't seen who were doing well, who I'd seen five years ago, who all of a sudden living together in close quarters. Oh, my God. Uh, their marriages were in trouble. There were people. Addictions were rampant. Oh, my God. And you're an addiction specialist, I, I am. But there was that. And people who eating disorders were, were strong. People just were, were struggling. And there was isolation and loneliness. And so I couldn't get any work done at my house. So yeah. I, I would go to my office in Chestnut Hill. And I felt like I was the only person in Chestnut Hill. Sure. Because it, I, I just needed a quiet place because there was just the need. It was so big. And people's problems were really strong. So I worked a lot during this pandemic. And you were working, obviously, with clients. Did a lot of that work spill over into the book uh, in, in, in regards to, okay, this is a whole new ball of wax here in regards, because there's uh, obviously you talk about that, 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 you know, the coronavirus lessons in, in, in the book. Yeah. I mean, there's no way, you know, you're, you're writing a book that would have been a different book two years ago now. Co- completely. You, and I and I felt like it, I, it changed how I did therapy. You know, I, I still prefer in person. Sure. I see some people in person, but there was all of a sudden teletherapy and I was doing sessions through Zoom and you'd listen to things differently. Even People just were isolated. People. Talk about uh, what you had to do to get people to actually leave their house and, 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 and some of the, the sad stories that, that, you know, you heard during this time. Well, there became a lot more social anxiety and fear. So if you think about our kids and our college students, there was just so much fear and people not wanting to leave or people who had some social anxiety before. It just got amped up. And and, and it it just became a a totally different world. Now, this is going to be the fastest hour in radio because we only have about 12 minutes left. Um, Matt, do me a favor. Cancel the rest of the shows for today. We're going to roll with this one. We got two more Thanks hours. In, thanks in advance. <laughs> Naturally, Sam walks in right as soon as I say. Um, having said that, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that the pandemic, and you, you cover it so so beautifully in the book. By the way, I just want to name some of these chapters. Uh, this, these is, so life is uh, what happens when we're uh, busy making other plans. Uh, John Lennon. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're big Beatles fans. I oh, so am I. You yeah. haven't noticed. The love, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Oh, man. I mean, literally speaking, at the pop culture's all over. You also touch on on 12-step programs, and, yes. and, and there's a lot of, of, of relations. Um, in, in, in those areas, but Jeff, you wanted to hit a couple areas real quick, sure. Because we, but, but we, we have, there's so much to talk about. We're not going to get to it we all. We can today, do two or three shows. We are going to try to fit. We are going to do it. We are going to do more. But, 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 Allison, I wanted to talk to you. We, we've talked a lot about COVID, and what's it like to date during COVID? I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, were isolated at home. Young people couldn't get out. What What was dating like, and what did you? Uh, advise some of your younger patients or just people that are recently divorced about dating and what exercises did did you suggest to them? You know, it was a lonely time for a lot of people, people who weren't in relationships. So people prioritized what's really important. And if they weren't in a relationship, all of a sudden trying to find somebody became important. And so much of dating is now done by dating apps. Right. And so there's been, you know, there were Zoom dates. There were people who were screaming again across the park at each other, yeah. you know, on dates. It was it was a really odd time. Um, but uh, that one of the exercises, and throughout the book, I tried to sprinkle exercises that people would want to 
uh, do at the end of the chapters. But I had one in particular that I came up with where the concept of dating is similar to following traffic lights. So what it's really about is setting boundaries about what you're looking for. So if you're, I called it red lights, yellow lights, green lights. So the red lights are behaviors that should end the relationship. So if somebody is using illegal drugs or if somebody's still married. Or violence or something. Yes. These right. these are deal breakers. Right. This is stop, do not yeah. date this person again. Obviously. Right. And then there's the yellow light behaviors. And that's proceed with caution. That's when you have to find out more about this person over time. So if a person's constantly 30 minutes late and you're not feeling valued for your time, might not be a reason to break up. But it might be a reason to slow down and find out more. Is this person selfish in other areas or not? Yeah, right. Um, and if you have a healthy lifestyle and the other person never goes to a gym or smokes, that might not be a deal breaker, but it might be, let's see if we're compatible. Yeah. Let's find out more information. And then there's the green lights, which is exhibiting positive behaviors for a healthy relationship. So that's if somebody has similar interests to you. Where they say they're looking for the same type of relationship that you are, and if somebody's consistent, if their actions meet their words, if they seem reliable, and 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 and, and to me that you said a mouthful there, and and a lot of times people have to look at their own self and 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 value their own self to make sure that they don't settle for something. Especially you talk about during the pandemic, yeah. you know, it's it was such. Uh, you know, a, a, a crazy world during that time. Uh, I can only imagine what it was like and to have those, but you, you mentioned boundaries in the book several times. And I mean, and, and they are unbelievably important. They're doing good times and bad. Yeah. Have a lot of people come to you and, and use you as sort of the arbitrator or the judge? I mean, they, they want to know uh, about these relationships and they kind of come to you and you give them an opinion, don't you? Well, I don't want to be one of those like nodding Buddha therapists. Are we go? Are we a go? Or are we not a go? <laughs> right. Right. So I, I use myself. I'm authentic, but I also feel like it, that it, that sometimes people look at me to come up with whether they should leave their relationship, whether they should stay in their. Relationship. I was reading about it yesterday in your book. On I wonder what she'd say if we should do. If <laughs> I'd call up the Elaine. I don't think we're good. I don't think. Wait a minute. I'm on the next chapter. I think I. You know, I can make. She'll it. give yeah. a strong opinion though. And yeah. a lot of therapists, I, I, I think, just from my observations of popular culture, uh, psychologists don't always give an opinion. They listen. They listen. They listen, and uh, they don't really ever guide or, but or you give touch you any on advice. The, you touch on the topics. You touch on on the red flags, on yeah. a lot of the button uh, uh, points that, to me, are signals yeah. of where you need work, yeah. at where you can w at work together, and some of the realities in life. A lot of the things I read in the book confirmed a lot of things. Oh, there was a, there was a lot of, you know, I can relate to this uh, type of situation, and I'm human. I'm a yeah. human being, and that is. Uh, when you talk about not being perfect, um, that isn't, you know, it, it, it's in some cases whether we're perfect for one another, but we're certainly not perfect. This this book needs to, you know, people need to, to read this book and actually try to do some of the exercises. It's hard work. Yeah. A lot of men, I, I can say, probably aren't going to be thrilled to do it. But if they do do it, uh, a lot of good can come from it. I mean, obviously, some of it is hard work. But but people will grow from this. You know, you say that, but I, I think I, I, more than half of my patients are men. I work with just as many men as I work with women. And I, I think men, it, 
might not talk about being in therapy as much, but a lot of them have oh. one could benefit from having somebody to run it. things by and right. to, a safe place to really look at what's important and prioritize. Yeah, once and and as a man, and we've we've gone to couples counseling, my wife and I, years back, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, it wasn't hard. I ran into a buddy of mine in there. It was amazing. I, I, I recognized a voice in the office and he walks out looking at me and he looks and he goes, hope you make out better than me, right? And he was, and he was a real tough guy. And I'm like, yeah. everybody needs therapy, whether it's individual or couples therapy. I mean, you know, this is a living, breathing organism, your, your relationship, and you need to work at it. And, and therapy and, is important. And as a man, I felt like the relationship that I had with our, our therapist, who was a woman, was amazing. And I first walked in and I was thinking, I'm going to get my butt kicked here. But it was a dynamic that was really important. And I thought it went well. So I have to tell you, it's things are changing. The stigma of therapy and going to therapy used to be so pathologized and you know only couples in trouble go. Harry Styles talked about thanking his therapist, you know, when he, when he was It has become mainstream. Yes. It is a mainstream. We have oh, yeah. a, 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 a doctor. Yes. Um, um, you go for your physical, you got to go see your psychologist. Bruce Springsteen talked about having depression. I mean, it, it has right. become something that a lot of pop, people in popular and culture Joe, spoke, speak about. And what would she do? Would she do wonders for Ben Simmons? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you. First of all, if you did that, my mother, we talked about it. Matt, how much time do we have? <laughs> We have three minutes left. Let's do this. I don't think we're. No. I, for, they can get the book. People can get the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Or Bar- or and it's bookstores. really, really important. And if you the read the book, we need reviews, right? Yeah. You know, we <laughs> need to review it, it on Amazon. And, and I want to say that you, you, you know the book is no perfect love, shattering the illusion of flawless relationships. Uh, this book is is a game changer, Allison Nirenberg. Uh, and 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 uh, I would say if, if you do, and I would, if you get an opportunity to read the book, and you like, you can get the Barnes and Noble, any the, the bookstores, uh, at a course on Amazon. Write a review on on Amazon because you know what you, what you're doing is giving somebody else the opportunity to find this book, and it's a game changer. It's it, it, men, women, couples uh, alike. It's also going to be available as an audio book. When does that come out, Allison? Uh, hopefully, the end of June. Yeah. So when you're in the car, or, or yeah. when you're in the car, on the plane, wherever you are, you can you can listen to the book. So so there's really no excuse not to listen or read it. No question about it. Well, Allison, um, congratulations! Thank Fan. you so much. I'm honored to have you as a guest, and uh, this is amazing. And hopefully, we get to do this again. And you know, this book is just a start for you, and I think that uh, you will help change lives. Oh. Thank you very much. This has been an honor for me to be on your show, too. It's, it's, it's our pleasure. Well, uh, another one in the books, but, you know, a, a special one, of course. And, and, and by the way, congratulations to you, too, Jeff, because I know you've really, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're uh, a big supporter of Allison's during this. And, and I know you're incredibly proud. And, and it, was book- one, it was one hell of a project. Um, <laughs> and I always say to people, you know, we talk about authors, but think of the, the hardest class you ever took in school. And again, make it a PhD level class and make it go on for two years. And that's what it took to write this book. So I'm grateful know. to my family support. Honestly, every, it wouldn't have been as good a book if I didn't have you proofreading it, if I didn't have Marissa telling me to add more of myself to it, if I didn't have Amanda it telling me. It took a me village. This, well, it took yeah, a killing really to did. be if we remember the movie. <laughs> well, Everybody. I, I, and I'll tell you, at the, at the launch party, it was a family affair. Yeah. And, and to me, I was just proud to be there uh-huh. and, and excited, uh, about this show, I, one thing about a, a book like uh, you know, No Perfect Love, um, <clears throat> you, you ask yourself how many people can it impact? Well, think about it. We're all in relationships, and 
Um, nobody gets out of this thing unscathed and, and having the courage to learn and educate yourself on, on real life examples, but some, some hard moments and hard lessons learned, um, and facing, you know, what you got to face together. So, uh, on behalf of Allison Nirenberg and of course our host, Jeff Nirenberg, uh, I want to thank everybody, uh, for tuning in to Legal Talk with Jeff Nirenberg. Uh, fantastic show on behalf of Jeff. I'm Joe Dock. I want to thank Matt Menark here at the studio, uh, for, for making it all happen. Uh, on behalf of everybody, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Joe Doherty. Have a great day.